The NFL season is over. I'm Noah Hiles filling in for Chris Carter today here on North Shore Drive, and we've got one thing to talk about. It's Super Bowl 57. Not going to waste any more time. Let's get right into it. Super Bowl 57 came to a close last evening. The Chiefs take down the Philadelphia Eagles 38-35. Filling in for Christopher Carter, I am Noah Hiles. And joining me today uh, from his interesting lit basement is Brian Batko. Yeah, you you look like you're filming like a cool 90s music video, Brian. But thanks for (laughs) coming on and joining me today. Yeah, no problem, Noah. It uh, It was a fun game, really enjoyable game. It was the first time... In a while, I was thinking about this when I woke up this morning. I didn't have any any action on the Super Bowl. Like, I, I'm not a big sports better to begin with, but most years you've got like a block pull or you you did some sort of like fun thing with family or friends. I didn't have any of that this year, and I don't think it detracted from my experience or my entertainment watching the game. But uh, yeah, I was you know sort of rooting for the Eagles just because the Chiefs have been there so often, but it was the main thing I wanted was a good game. And I think we all got that. Yeah. I I had plenty of action. I had a a pretty big future actually on the Eagles before the playoffs started. So it was a tough loss, but got a lot to talk about in the game. Nonetheless. And before we do, we got to talk about the people who make this podcast possible. That's our friends at Yinzers in the Berg. Hey, Yinzers, listen up. The Steelers campaign for next year is off and running. So go and show your support for Pittsburgh's black and gold. Gold, it's easy with two legendary shops in the strip, plus our growing online store, Yenzers in the Berg, is the place to go for Pittsburgh sports apparel, accessories, and much, much more. We'll see you in the strip or check us out online. So, Brian, a lot of stuff to talk about with this one, but it's I think it's fair to say, regardless of how you stand on the call, this, this Super Bowl will be remembered for the penalty that occurred in the final drive of the game really uh it it, regardless if it was the right call or the wrong call it definitely played a factor in the end result so I think that's where we need to start off with talking about this one is it fair to say that this game was determined by the refs I don't think so I mean yeah I guess a lot of people look back at last year's Super Bowl and immediately think to the controversial Cooper Cup uh drawing that flag in the end zone uh to, to help the Rams beat the Bengals but one thing about me, Noah, I mean, I really, really despise any narrative that lays so much blame at the feet of officials in any sport, whether it's football, basketball, baseball. Maybe it's just because I, you know, I did some refereeing in college, like intramural basketball games, and then I did a little bit on the side to make some extra cash uh, when I graduated from college. So I've been in those shoes, obviously, you know, at a level that is light years from the Super Bowl. I mean, you can't get much further than refing like fifth grade uh, basketball. But once you're in that situation, you really don't understand how difficult the job is for one. And two, you know, these guys, they got a split second to make the call. We immediately see it slowed down, chopped up different angles three seconds later, but you don't have that in the moment. And I don't think we want an NFL world in which all penalties are reviewable and you're going to uh, somebody with the eye in the sky to overturn that. We had that a couple seasons ago. People were annoyed by it when you could challenge pass interference. So um, did I think it was a ticky tack call? Yes. Do I wish it wouldn't have been made so that we could see how things would have played out minus that? 
absolutely. But, you know, the, the Eagles were collapsing in all three phases of the game at the end of that one. And again, you know, it's not like we sit here and we're going to crush Jalen Hurts because he wasn't 100% perfect in that game. So I'm not going to do that to the officials. Uh, not only are they, um, you know, teams are playing against each other, but they're both playing against the refs every night. Uh, you know, you're, uh, James Bradbury said after the game, yeah, I, I basically tried to get one over on them. I, I held them. I thought they would let it slide, but they didn't. So I give him the utmost respect, too, for owning up to that. And uh, I just hate it when these games become let's all yell at the refs and make this our, you know, it's like when people blame the media because you you don't want uh, to really look at your in your, yourself in the mirror or whatever uh, and, and give a better reason for it. So I just hate when it comes down to this. Yeah, I, I, in, in in playing time, I was really upset with the call. I mean, part of it had to do with my, my big future on the <clears throat> Philadelphia Eagles. Um, yeah, and again, I'm coming at this from a perspective of, like, I didn't really care one way right. or the other. So, Like, I think if you're an Eagles fan, you have a right to be upset because it was, I mean, it was the right call, but it's just as a football fan you take a rooting interest out of it, like you mentioned, it, it takes away the most exciting finish we probably could have had. Where, you know, that that really did. And it's it was almost a perfect storm leading up to it as well. Because if you think about it, the Chiefs got to the Super Bowl thanks to a penalty call that set them up in a really easy field goal position in what was a really hard-fought, exciting game in the AFC Championship. And that was the right call to make. But it's it's kind of a, man, that's unfortunate that the game had to come down to that. And it it plays out kind of the same way on the biggest stage of them all. And it, it follows, you know, the commissioner of the NFL earlier that week saying we don't have an officiating problem. And I, I don't know if the NFL does or doesn't. I, I think that, yeah, that officials can always be better, but that's going to always be the case when you have humans. Right. Calls. If you, if you want to have, like you said, the eye in the sky and every penalty is reviewable – I don't know where I stand on that. I mean, there, there's part of me that's like, you know, I, I would like every call to be right if I'm if I'm really investing my time into this. And if, if myself, like millions of others, are betting our hard-earned money on it, we would like the result to be correct and fair. But at the same time, you know, that's also kind of the beauty of sports. It's, is the human element factor where a different officiating crew lets that play go. And the Chiefs probably kick a field goal there on fourth down. And Jalen Hurts and the Eagles get one last chance. And we get a really, really fun game to remember. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. And, and there's so many calls throughout the course of a game that I just hit, you know, I hate saying that one call decided it. You know, the Devontae Smith call was overturned earlier. That was another tough one that went against the Eagles. But the Miles Sanders incompletion was one that I'm sitting there on, on the couch saying, you know, the common sense person in me says maybe that should be a catch and fumble. So that would have been another six points on the board for the Chiefs. I mean, that's just the way it goes. You, you know, going into any game, if you're a coach, player, fans tend to ignore this a lot, unfortunately. But, you know, there's a lot of 50-50 moments in sports that the officials need to try their best to get it right. Uh, just if you think it's that easy, go watch like a, a highlight film of all the is it a catch or is it not a catch? with somebody else and you guys will probably be disagreeing over most of them. Go try to, uh, you know, do a basketball game and call a block or charge, right? You know, you and the person next to you might be 50, 50 on every single one. So uh, it's, it's not an easy job at all. If you think that, you know, that ball was going to be way over Juju Smith Schuster's head, I would flip that to say then, okay, why did James Bradbury worry about having to get a hand on him at all? So yeah, it, it always works both ways to me. 
it is unfortunate that that was kind of the deciding um, you know, play uh, in, in that it essentially there was not enough time left on the clock. But again, I would probably come back to Eagles, get a stop earlier. Um, don't allow that punt return. There's just so many things that you can don't, do. Don't don't burn a timeout. Don't burn a timeout on the delay, delay of game. Yeah. yeah, there there's a lot. And yet, like, yeah, I think we're on the same page here. It's it's sad that it had to end that way because it was such a fun game. It felt like it deserved a better ending, but you know, the call had to be made. So we're gonna move on now. We're gonna talk about something that really stuck out to me as far as what we saw from both teams and you know, if we're not going to talk about the call being the thing that gets remembered from this game, this is what I'll remember. And we'll get to that right after this break. Here on the North Shore Drive podcast, Brian Backo and Noah Hiles coming to you, uh, filling in for Chris Carter, who will be back later this week. Hope Chris had a nice little time out in California. What a, what a nice little midseason trip for him there. But so, Brian, 38-35, clearly a lot of offense here. And just watching these offenses, I, it seemed like I was watching a different sport compared to the football team I normally watch in my neck of the woods on Sundays. Did you get that vibe as well? It just seemed like the scheme, the talent, all of it was just head and shoulders above what we've seen here in Pittsburgh for many years. Yeah, I mean, what I was going to say was more than that late uh, holding defensive holding call, what I remember from this game is Andy Reid and his coaching staff just kind of being on another level, man. Yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, I don't know what it is, and that's kind of, the I guess, the beauty of coaching and the spirit of it is that you can't really – put your finger on it it's just a feel for the game and the play callers for the Chiefs knowing exactly what to pull out of their bag and when and kind of exactly how to execute it so um, you know it was a it was a night for Patrick Mahomes to, to take home the MVP trophy and you know get that and the regular season MVP in the same season that's all well and good um, but it's not like he was throwing for 400 some yards in this one a lot of people were even arguing that Jalen Hurts outplayed him outside of the uh, the fumble six, maybe he did, um, but you you just have to look at Andy Reid and what they were able to do. I mean, the, those two short touchdowns to Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore from right here in Western PA, New Kensington kid, uh, Shady Side Academy. I can't think of two more schemed up touchdowns right. than that. I mean, it's just Andy Reid being a step ahead, uh, as well as Eric Bieniemy, and yeah, everybody's got a hand in that on the Chiefs staff. I mean, the the fake jet sweep. And then they, I don't know, I think somebody called it an orbit motion, whip route, whatever your football term you want to use, caught the Eagles off guard both times. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I'll remember the most from this is, you know, it was a triumph for X's and O's. And I, I'm generally one of those people, Noah, who thinks the players matter a lot more than the coaches. And I think that's still the case. Um, you know, Andy Reid can't go out there and block a, a defensive end or, you know, complete a pass, but uh, I've never seen, I don't think, two touchdowns where a coach put his players in position to score as much as that. And that was against an Eagles defense that, for all we know, if those plays don't work out, they might get those stops and it's a completely different result. When I think of this Kansas City Chiefs, 
Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specride para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. I think they're going to end up being a dynasty. I think they need to win one more to officially earn that term. Uh, but when I, when I think of the Patrick Mahomes era Kansas City Chiefs, you know, years and years down the line, when everyone's retired, the thing I'm going to probably remember most about these offenses is there's like three or four times a game where you just see a guy catch a ball and there is no one on the defense even close to him. And yeah. you mentioned it on those two touchdowns there. But that's been the case. And, 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 you know, I'm not a super big analytics guy. I'm not sure if there's a way to quantify it. It's just like, it feels like they set NFL records for, oh my God, there's no one near him type yeah, catches. Separation, right. whatever. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's and numbers you could look at for that. But. You, you see that with, I mean, you saw that for years with Tyreek Hill. And, you know, he leaves, but they're able to get it in other spots. It's not necessarily just 40 yards downfield like you saw with Hill. Now, it's, it's like you mentioned on the, on the, on the Jets and, making guys when they recognize it's a cover zero. Avante Maddox was the victim of that second touchdown against Sky Moore. Like you saw, he comes across the middle and follows him. But then when Sky cuts back, when the ball snapped, there's nothing he can do when, when you're going in that, in that coverage, that's just great coaching and great execution. And it makes it look so simple. And, and it all works hand in hand too. I mean, it's having Travis Kelsey, a guy that yeah. every defense has to pay so much attention to, know where he's lined up, devote probably an extra man to him most of the time because who's going to be able to stop him one-on-one? -on -one? So you've got that. And, and obviously the Mahomes factor, you know, that opens everything. We've all seen clips of how the Chiefs running game thrives because the safeties are so deep. They're like out of the screen. Uh, and, you know, Isaiah Pacheco, seventh-round draft pick, or was he undrafted? I, uh, either way, uh, out of Rutgers, I mean, he benefited from being on this Chiefs team and, you know, he ran hard too, so you give him credit, but... Uh, sometimes it almost feels like you could put any running back in there and they're going to have success with what's around them. And just, you know, we, we mentioned the individual play calls that worked, but the entire game plan overall to keep that Eagles front from not getting a single sack, they're getting the ball out quick with a slightly hobbled Mahomes and an offensive line that is good. But I think a lot of people, myself included, still thought that there was a chance they could get blown off the ball and overwhelmed by an Eagles team that led the league in sacks. So uh, yeah, you just give the Chiefs credit all around. I don't necessarily think the Eagles had a bad plan. I know their defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon, is catching some heat this morning. That's the nature of it. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, the Chiefs just, they've got it all working in concert right now. And that's why they, uh, they're they you know, getting more rings and another trophy in their case. And then you go to the flip side. I mean, the Eagles offense was really good <laughs> for most of that game too. And, and granted, I mean, they blew a 10-point lead at the half and should have been an even bigger lead had Jalen Hurts not fumbled that ball the only turnover in that game but I mean you look at their the way they went about their business I think and then I'm not criticizing their scheme especially as a fellow Mount Union guy I'd never come after Sirianni like that but what stood out to me with them was man they just they just have more guys just the the, the simplicity of some of the things they could do and just continuously get results from it the, the, the there, was a moment in, there was a moment in that game, Noah, that I was contemplating whether the NFL should ban the quarterback sneak. Right. I'm, I'm like, I'm like going through a run. I'm like, eh, it wouldn't be that hard if it's uh, one yard to gain 
you just don't allow the player who takes the snap to run forward with the ball. Like, that's how dominant they were. It felt like a cheat code. Yeah, I mean, that's very rarely will you have, like, an offensive lineman where you can point out, like, highlights. Like, you know, those those plays where it's like, wow, like, you have one or two, right? Where, like, you could point out Fanica's block in Super Bowl forty that allowed Willie Parker to go 75 yards, stuff like that. But you have, like, one or two daughter crew. Jason Kelsey has, like, that iconic thing that you, it's like, oh, no, this is what he's known for. Like, that quarterback sneak this year was money from week one to the Super Bowl for the Eagles. Yeah, and that's just, just one example. The, yeah. the A.J. Brown stuff, like I mentioned, I mean, it was kind of weird that Greg Olson said, oh, yeah, he's that's his, his patent route, a slant. I'm like, well, you know, everyone kind of runs that route. But <laughs> they couldn't stop it from, yeah, from start really to good. finish. And, you know, and, and then that deep ball touchdown as well, that was well guarded. It was just, as they said on the broadcast, it was my guy's going to beat your guy. And they did. So the Eagles. It was like when the Steelers were trying to stop them in, in yeah. Philadelphia uh, back in October. I mean, catching catching balls over two guys because he's just a, a freak of nature. So, yeah, I mean, six for 96 and a touchdown for A.J. Brown. He was the guy that I thought I thought the, the Eagles were going to win and he would take home MVP from just cooking those guys. He certainly was early on. You know, game flow held him back a little bit. Devontae Smith, really good too. Goddard, good. Yeah, I mean, they've got a really good roster, but. It just goes to show your margin of error when you're playing the Chiefs, no matter how much you've built yourself up, is very, very slim. And I have a feeling we are kind of going to uh, dance around that a little bit more here in the final segment. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that right now after the short break. Third and final segment here on the North Shore Drive podcast. Brian Backhill and Noah Hiles filling in for Chris Carter, who will be back later this week talking Super Bowl 57. Chiefs win 38-35. Brian, it's been a while since the Pittsburgh Steelers played one of these big games. They they were close uh, in 2016. Was that it when they went to the AFC Championship? But were they really that close? I mean, they weren't beating New England that year, especially yeah. with the injuries they had. Um, but overall... I mean, you just watch, like I mentioned, the talent that one team had, the talent that the Chiefs had also, but the coaching staff on top of it, and just that that well-oiled machine that exists in Kansas City, which is in the AFC, and it, it makes you really wonder, you know, how far away are the Steelers right now from playing in another big game? What says you? I mean, is there a chance that they can figure things out in the next five years and maybe have a, a shot to play in this super in a Super Bowl? Yeah, I mean, there, I think there's there's a chance. You know, there's a lot a lot of good right now for the Steelers. And, you know, the, the personnel, obviously, we know a lot of people were really excited about George Pickens. Felt like the offensive line was coming together at the end of the season. You know, they're not, not bodying dudes like we saw the Eagles doing last night. But they were pushing people around, getting to the second level, making the, the run game first identity work for them. So that's all that's all good. And, you know, Kenny Pickett, of course, being the biggest X factor in, in all of that, you know, the way that I kind of look at it is for them to be on that stage with all the, you know, quarterbacks and just good coaches in the AFC right now, you know, beyond if it's not the Chiefs, you feel like Joe Burrow's got to get one at some point. You feel like Josh Allen's got to get one at some point. I know right now somebody's probably typing up a comment that says, no, Josh Allen's a choker. He's never going to win yeah. it. But um, just the, the, the talent, the, the physical gifts that he has, you feel like he's going to find a way. At some point, um, you know, even some of the younger guys in the league, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, feels like their upside is is really, really high if they get the right teams around them. So 
I just sort of look at it as the Steelers can get there. The Steelers can do it, but they're going to have to, they need everything to go right. And I don't just mean in a game. I mean, certainly in a game, like I said, last night you saw how razor thin the margin of error is to try to beat Patrick Mahomes and what the Chiefs do. But even in, I'm talking off-season moves, drafting, free agency, trades, because guess who kind of played every right note? The Eagles. Yeah. You know, they, there's so many, they've hit on so many draft picks. They hit on the big one, obviously, in, in Jalen Hurts. Then they've made moves like signing James Bradbury, even though he did become uh, the heel at the end. But, uh, you know, trading for A.J. Brown kind of took them over the top. So they saw a window. They went for it. And I know a lot of people on the other side of the state right now are crushed this morning because they're just not sure if they're going to be able to have a team this good again ever. I personally think that the Eagles could be right back in this thing next year because, you know, you go through like, like I just did, I went through the AFC named all these teams. who I feel like are realistically Super Bowl contenders right now, kind of regardless of what happens in free agency in March and the draft in April, like a lot of those teams I just named, they've got the guy under center that makes me think they can get there pretty much no matter who is around them at this point. Whereas the NFC doesn't really have any team like that, in my opinion. I mean, maybe the Niners, but so much uncertainty right now at quarterback. So I think the Eagles could be right back in it next season, even though they are going to have to lose some guys who play themselves into more lucrative lucrative contracts. And you're going to have to extend Jalen Hurts at some point. But the Steelers are going to have to uh, do everything right, uh, you know, building their team. And then in a game like that, if, if you know, if you're fortunate enough to get to the playoffs, divisional round, AFC championship, God forbid Super Bowl. Um, you know, you, you're going to have to do everything right in, in that case too. I think. Yeah, I mean, it just it seems like there's a lot of work to be done, though. I mean, you go back to the the moves to build this team in Philly. I mean, that was years in the making. You you go all the way back to bringing in a guy like Darius Slay a couple yeah. years ago. I mean, he was a dis- difference maker and and just hitting on late round picks like an Avante Maddox on their defense. A guy I don't even know if he was was he undrafted. Uh, he was actually a fourth rounder. Okay, yeah, but still um, a day a day right. three pick who's who's been now like a four year starter for them and is and a difference maker. And you have the other guys on the other side of the ball too. Their offensive linemen. I mean, some of them were blue chippers, but others ended up having great careers after you know. Jordan Mailata didn't play college football, right? Maybe. And he Travis covered a and, former rugby guy who was a mountain of a man, and look what they've done with him. They've developed. Jay- Jason Kelsey wasn't a first round pick either. I mean, you know, it's just it's just building that team the right way. And the Steelers are are in the process of doing that, but it's and much like the Eagles, or I guess I should say the Steelers are kind of like the Eagles in this sense that the Eagles have kept their core for the most part. Brandon Graham, um, you know, uh, uh, Fletcher, uh, Fletcher Cox on defense, you know, they've got a lot of the Jason Kelsey on the offensive side of the ball. You know, they they've kind of got that nucleus of people who've been there through multiple eras of Eagles football, I feel like the Steelers are kind of going to build towards that with Cam Hayward, TJ Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick. And yeah, you've got to get the young studs around them to elevate, uh, to elevate everything. So, you know, they've got the blueprint now. They've got the script more or less all the way down to Andy Weidel coming in here after helping to build this Eagles team. So uh, that's, I I guess that's sort of a double-edged sword to, to think about this morning. The Steelers can, can kind of follow that recipe to some extent, and yet it still didn't uh, didn't get you a championship if you're Philly. Yeah, and I mean, it, watching that game also, uh, it made me convinced that offensive line is the move. Just both both of those teams just allowing two sacks total in that game between both teams. Just the the protection and 
it allows your quarterback to be pretty good if he wants to run the ball or if he wants to sit back and throw the ball when you got, and, and I do think the Steelers O-line took a step forward and we don't need to talk about this ad nauseum or anything, but I just, that, that was a selling point to me that, even, Hey, the skill guys are even a lot better when you have a great offensive line. Yeah. And I'll say on just one quick point on that front, the Eagles haven't been afraid to kind of keep throwing picks at the O-line. I mean, I think there have been some off seasons here in which like they're kind of situated the way the Steelers are right now. They've got five starters returning or whatever, but they've still, you know, taken kind of best player available when they think there's a potential, you know, future franchise left tackle, like in the first round, or again, like someone like Jordan Mailata, take a big swing on a seventh rounder who's got size and physical traits, but maybe you're going to have to coach him up. I, that, that was one thing I thought the Steelers should have done uh, in the last couple drafts, but you know, that's, that's water under the bridge now. So um, yeah, I know we talked a lot about the coaching, you know, we'll see what Matt Canada can do this year regardless of of who is drafted to add to this offense I think it's going to be a more defense heavy draft so I guess I kind of disagree with you there Noah that I wouldn't necessarily go offensive line in the first round um, but you know I understand that if there's somebody who falls and slips to you you know we, we talked about all those jet motions and how the Chiefs kind of played off things set up things not just in game but earlier and then like I think that's kind of what Matt Canada wants to do maybe Mike Tomlin will give him a little bit more leeway to do that this season and you can understand why they wanted to hire him to begin with. I mean, that's what he's known for is all those pre-snap motions and shifts when it doesn't work, people around here give him grief for it. But when it does work, uh, you get some of those plays that the chiefs hit on last night. So, um, you know, I know the jury is in on Canada for the most part, yeah. but uh, he's going to be back for another season and uh, we'll, we'll see if he can, you know, scheme th- some things up for Kenny Pickett, George Pickens, Deontay Johnson and company. So as we wrap this up, Brian, I, I want to ask, I mean, is there is there a chance that it doesn't matter what the Steelers do? It's the fact that Patrick Mahomes is going to be in the AFC for the next 20 years or so, maybe a little less than 20, but maybe not that less than 20. And then, like you said, there's there's Burrow, there's Allen, there's Herbert, there's there's a lot of other guys, right? Um, is, does it, is there a chance that the Steelers might just be a victim of like what we saw with a lot of teams in the AFC in the past 20 years where there was Brady, Roethlisberger, uh, and, and Peyton Manning. And if you didn't have one of those three quarterbacks, you weren't really going to get a chance to play in the Super Bowl. Is, is there a chance we see that happen with this three-headed monster in the AFC right now of clearly the best three in the most important position of the game? Potentially. I mean, it, it kind of feels like that way. Um, you know, Mahomes is 27, and it does seem like he's – pretty much the new Brady, um, you know, you, you, there's a little bit of recency bias, of course, always after a big game and a big win like that. You don't want to necessarily anoint somebody as the GOAT or anything, but feels like it's trending that way a little bit with him, especially when you look at the moves they made this offseason to basically just say, yeah, we're paying Mahomes a bunch of money. We're going to get rid of Tyreek Hill. We're going to bring in these, you know, uh, four pennies on the dollar guys kind of at wide receiver, and he's still going to just you know win MVP and uh, and throw darts and lasers against everybody. So it wouldn't shock me if we're sitting here in 10 years. And yeah, Mahomes has sent a lot of people home packing who who thought they did everything right and thought they had the type of team to take him down. So uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's possible for sure. Um, it's a little reductive to say, hey, we don't have Mahomes or Burrow and thus we can't win it. Um, right. The Rams won it last year. They they took a very different approach though to to do that with kind of pushing all their chips in the middle and Matt Stafford may have, uh, you know, sold his elbow to the devil or whatever to get it, get it done because he kind of seems washed now. But uh, yeah, it's it's 
interesting to think about. Uh, the, the Chiefs are, you know, it feels like they, they've got a lot of momentum and they're, they're dynasty-ish so far. I know you said you want to see them put another one on the board to, to bestow that title on them. But yeah, everybody's chasing them right now in the AFC and, you know, in the NFC. Uh, the, the Steelers saw it firsthand last year up at Arrowhead in that first round playoff game. And, you know, faces have changed, but uh, the, the main couple have not. And that's why they're still here. Yeah, it's, it, I think the clear takeaway from this year is it's it's his league now. And not that it it kind of was beforehand, but when you win the MVP, the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP, you're 27 years old, you lose your top target in the offseason and your team gets better because of it. It's his league. And he just happens to be on the Steelers' side of the bracket. You're yeah, in, and there's nothing out. you can do about that if you're right. out rooting the second. I mean, it's yeah. like, hey, write a letter to Goodell. Have we thought about shuffling the conferences at all? Right, but, right, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I mean, all, all you can really try to do, I guess, is, uh, you know, zig while other teams zag. I think the Steelers have been trying to do that for a couple years now. Your mileage may vary on decisions such as drafting a running back and a tight end in the first two rounds or, um, you know, going with Kenny Pickett as your quarterback of the future. A lot of people have, you know, various opinions on that, but, um, you know, only time will tell if it works out. I, I think we can all agree that trying to, you know, fight fire with fire in a sense and be a team that can consistently outscore the Chiefs with a wide open offense and a, uh, you know, God tier talent quarterback is not very realistic. So the Steelers are, uh, you know, taking more of a different philosophical approach to it. And the work begins now to, to try to ensure that that can work. Well, I think that's all we got here. Uh, any final thoughts on Super Bowl 57, Brian? My favorite commercial, I oh. think, was I like the Ben Affleck one uh, with J-Lo for Dunkin' Donuts. And then I I got kind of sick of it seemed like the entire uh, world's idea of, of advertising for the Super Bowl this year was just find a celebrity and have him hold your product. So I like right. the uh, I don't even remember what it was for, but the Binky Dad commercial where he's driving in the car and like he immediately goes viral on TikTok to get his kids Binky. As a dad myself, uh, okay. I could relate to that. Uh, I thought that was a that was at least a creative one that didn't just rely on some famous person doing your bidding for you. Yeah, it, it's if you can find a, a a fun narrative to go along with it. Like I love the Breaking Bad chips commercial. I don't remember what that, but that they recreated a scene from what's yeah regarded as one of the best TV shows ever. So I like that one. But yeah, just the ones where you're finding random pairs of celebrities to golf together. Like Serena Williams and Canelo Alvarez, just just golfing. I I don't know yeah. why, but they're golfing. And then or um the two guys from Scrubs and John Travolta singing Greece. I, I yeah, I feel just, bad for those guys at this point. Obviously, they're wealthy beyond belief. But yeah, I don't feel man, bad for them. But I mean, do something else. And and you know, I'll, I'll I'll say it. Rihanna was the songs were good. The show, I could have used more. That's all I'm gonna say. It was an okay halftime show. Minimalistic approach, I guess. We'll give her that, but. Um, so yeah, I, I like the halftime show too. I was cool with it. It was fine. I've just seen better. That's all. That's Fair all enough. we've got. Uh, I'm going to, I probably, I, I made it 30 minutes without <laughs> opening myself up to criticism in the comments. And now, uh, all the, all they're all, I don't know that there's in. a ton of overlap between our viewers and like Rihanna hive. No, no so. but the Rihanna hive will find us regardless. Fair enough. So Hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Check out our work at post-gazette.com and keep tuning in. We'll have more content here on the Pittsburgh Sports, uh, the Post-Gazette YouTube channel. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. 
If you're watching this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6, click the link down below in the description. Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specride para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. 